Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
Welcome, everyone. That was Karen Drucker, Breathe, and you are listening to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. It's always a delight that you take the time to turn on to this podcast because we have kept it genuine, sincere, and as real as possible for the last six years. Did you know that in the six years that we've been broadcasting, we have hosted five retreats for our guest speakers, with one including a retreat in Mount Abu, India, at the headquarters of the Brahma Kumaris. Bet you didn't. Did you know that we have also tirelessly offered charitable support for many nonprofits and organizations, ranging from the Obama Foundation to the Hurricane Harvey Aid to the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation to Sacred Space Drop-In Shelter for the LBGTQ youths of Sacramento, California, and a lot more. And also, did you know that everybody who shows up on this show has got a story to share which can change your life? Today gives me great pleasure to welcome our next guest, Lisette Shootmaker, who is an entrepreneur, director, and author. Before writing books on personal and spiritual development, Lisette owned and ran a communications agency that she successfully sold and had a private practice as a life coach. She's the author of The Childhood Conclusions Fix and Childless Living and co-author of The Eldest Daughter Effect. Lisette enjoys working in the field of expanding and transforming consciousness, and until recently, she served as the chair of the board of the Center for Human Emergence in the Netherlands and the Finthorn Foundation in Scotland, where she also she was also the director of its subsidiary, New Finthorn Directions. She is an active, informal impact investor in pioneering social enterprises such as Impact Hub, Amsterdam, and Ubiquity University. Lisette is a popular speaker at conferences and events around the globe and a regular contributor to radio show and podcasts. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Lisette Shootmaker on America Meditating Radio all the way from Amsterdam. Hi, Lisette. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Sister Jenna. I'm delighted to be here. Mm-hmm. Amsterdam, I'm getting all of my fond memories when I had visited Amsterdam, of your beautiful gardens, your tulips, your faces of the people, the softness of their presence. And so I've often held that as a very cherished moment. 
Well, thanks for joining us. You are speaking about something that many of us find it really challenging, Lisette, to let go, our childhood trauma. I would have mm-hmm. to say, like, for me, in a physical level, I don't feel... I mean, there were, you know, whatever, issues and stuff. And many of us consider our traumas to be the worse than anyone else. But I remembered coming into my spiritual awakening and my childhood spiritual stages or ages became a traumatic experience for me. And perhaps the trauma came because of my lack of understanding or expectations of what certain energies or figures should represent. But yet to this day, despite my knowledge and awareness, there's a hurt that still lingers in my heart of what had taken place. So I think us talking on your book, The Childhood Conclusions Fix, I think they're so important because we are grappling with finding ways to just get over our stories. But first, before we go deeper into conversation, Lisette, could you share with our audience, you know, a little bit about you and to find out about the theory of what are the childhood conclusions? Like, how did that all start for you? Yeah, thank you. I think you had a wonderful introduction of me. I'm kind of impressed by that person that and it turns out it's me who did all those things. (laughs) I don't know how that is for you. It's like, oh. Yeah, you know, I ran a communications agency, and in Amsterdam, I had a lovely building, I had good people employed, and we worked for the major Dutch corporations, and one day I was set behind my desk, and then, poof, kind of my consciousness opened, and uh, it was a good thing, because uh, I was also not very happy, Uh, although it was successful, I was not very happy, But it was also a difficult thing because I couldn't continue to work for those big corporations. So I had to sell my outfit and and start to look for how I could live in a connected way, in a way where all of a sudden I saw, you know, creation isn't finished. We're all co-creators of the one life and how we go about that. If we're very troubled and if we're very much inward looking because of our pain, then we co-create in a different way than when we can feel lighter and we can kind of solve or kind of embrace whatever has happened to us and be more free thoughts that torment us, that we might you know, not be good enough or that we feel violated and disempowered or we feel unreal and inauthentic and um, life just you know is that way because it is not that way and Mm -hmm. so on my journey of of looking for what to do next I found what is now called the Brennan Institute it was then called the Barbara Brennan School of Healing and so I came to the U.S. for four years to do a part-time study in healing science and there they taught the theory of psychiatry Wilhelm Reich who, as an early psychiatrist, had had looked at his clients and heard their stories and said there's basically, you know, like the fingers on one hand, there's basically five stories we tell ourselves because of impressions we gathered when we were very young or what happened to us. And so when I learned those five stories, those what I call childhood conclusions we jumped to, I thought, why didn't they teach me this in high school? I needed it when I was 16 and I was trying to think of what is life and how do I fit in and who am I? 
I needed it when I talked to friends. So I would have loved to know this theory much earlier. And that's why I wrote a book about mm. it. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Because I think that the more we start to ask ourselves the right question, Lisette, it can help to liberate us. But I feel sometimes we don't know what are the right questions. I mean, haven't you found yeah. yourself in a in a quandary where you don't even know where to begin to try to find out what is actually taking place? But there's one way that I've often felt for myself that has worked. It's just that I always start with just where I am with what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. And it has always seemed to at least began the opening for me. Now, one of the things yeah. um, which I want to really refer to in the book or have you share with us more about is in your book, The Childhood Conclusions Fix, you write that our childhood conclusions mirror our greatest gifts. Now, yeah. where we yeah. feel the most insecure is where we tend to hide our truest treasures, you've got to give me some more light on this area because I think it's very powerful. Yeah, that is very powerful because, it, and that's also the, the good news. And I do agree where to begin is how we feel in the moment, but also our thoughts. You've had previous guests talking about the power of our thoughts and how to get over them. So, so this is a sequel more or less from that is, you know, if we think a lot of the time that we are not enough, that there isn't enough time, that we are, we haven't meditated enough, we haven't slept enough, we don't have enough money, you know, then we're so preoccupied. And that it's a good way to kind of start to, to observe our own thinking, because that immediately leads to where our bliss lies and to our greatest treasures. I think the childhood conclusions that we jump to really are a roadmap. They're directly linked to what is most precious to us. If you're a very spiritual person, you might come into this life and take fright and go like, what has happened now? I've taken a wrong turn here. And then Mm -hmm. those thoughts, you know, your thoughts will be, I don't belong here. Life is too harsh. I need beauty. I need harmony. Uh, I need to go away. And you become this flighty person. always thinking that somewhere else is better. Whereas, really, what your greatest treasure is, is to be here now and to be present with other people and also have, you know, feel the presence of, of a higher presence, so to say. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're connected. If you have a sense of scarcity, of feeling, you know, there isn't enough, you are not enough, and that kind of repeats itself all the time in you and kind of makes for a, uh, yeah, hurried you know, always kind of scarcity feeling, then the bliss on the other side is that you are a person of abundance. You have an abundance of gifts. You are very curious. You're very generous. You love to know about other people. You are talkative. You are a talk show host, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, So that's how these conclusions actually are completely related to the greatest gift that each of us brings. Yeah. Friends and I were out at the ATP tennis tour and they were all talking about, you know, when I go out, I just love the world. I just want to hug everybody like, oh, my God, what's your name? Well, what do you do? Well, who are you? Well, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I mean, how's life going for you while they're watching me going, how does she do that? And I was telling them, I think it's because I'm an only child. And only children, when they get out of the house, they're like, oh, my God, i got to talk now because there's just way too much silence. There's other people there. We can play. 
happens. It's amazing how we carry our journeys with her no matter where we go. There we are. Talk about are some childhood conclusions more pervasive than others? Yes, I'd love to talk about that. There are, in this theory, this theory says there's basically five childhood conclusions. So I've already mentioned two, the one where you feel I'm not welcome, I'm not of this world. And the challenge is to, to really inhabit, to really incarnate and be present. And life will just, you know, unfold in that presence. And the second one is that there isn't enough, that I am not enough. And the flip side of that is this generosity and this curiosity that you have such a wonderful example <laughs> of. And uh, Wilhelm Reyer said his theory was we always jump to one of those two. So either both or, or one of them. So those are actually everywhere. And when I look at the world, when I see uh, how difficult it is sometimes for us to be present to one another, how we, how we, mm-hmm. how, you know, you can, can I be present to everything that is in the news? And can I really take that in and kind of hold that in light and love without going into despair or wanting to, to move away from it? Can I do that? And I think number two, that the not enough feeling kind of keeps the whole economy going. Uh, you know, yeah. has us shopping, thinking, oh, if we only acquire this, then it will be enough. But, you know, five minutes later, it's, it's, it's not enough. So those two are really at the basis of, of much of what happens in the world and how we function. And once we become aware of that, uh, as you've said before, then we can liberate ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so the other mm-hmm. three can be really strong in our lives, but they are kind of overlays on these early two conclusions that we draw when we're very, very tiny, very small. Sure, sure. Now, we all know that awareness gives us an opportunity to create change. And without awareness, we can continue to repeat pretty persistent thought patterns for many, many decades, if not many, many lifetimes. Is it really, though, important for people to know about these childhood conclusions? Because I would say yes, but... Sometimes some people will be like, I'll go to therapist, and they keep having me repeat the same things that's happening to me. I don't want to know any more about what I've been through. I know what I've been through. So is it really important for people to know, to know about these childhood conclusions? I sure think so. I think it is important for oneself to start to see these repetitive thoughts and, and be able mm-hmm. to replace them with more beneficial thoughts and to work with them. But it's also important, uh, you know, you hug people you see at a tennis tournament, but we see people in the street, we have colleagues, we don't really know their inner workings, but once we start to observe uh, how they can be gripped by the idea that, you know, they, they shouldn't show their creativity because that's just too dangerous, uh, mm-hmm. or they should be in control, or they should be perfect. Uh, a very good example is that when my publishers were working on this book, um, you know, the, the people started to apply this. And they said our meetings are so much better because we're so much more humane with one another because we can see mm-hmm. that someone all of a sudden kind of goes off, uh, you know, on a tangent because they're in their childhood conclusion world. And then we can just give them a healing response. And so, uh, and then they kind of come back into themselves and into present reality and into contact. 
So I think not only for ourselves, it's really vital and they're so easy once you see them. You know, it's so obvious and uh, mm. it's so easy to kind of give yourself a healing response and bring yourself back to here now and the adult you have become. Uh, but also in how we interact with one another. Very, very useful to be able to read other people's behavior that maybe you didn't understand until now uh, and also be able to give them a healing response through regulating your own inner world. Mm, I get that. That's very good. So let's take a look at, I mean, are you open to even share what your childhood conclusions were and how did you overcome them yourself personally? Yeah. Yes. Of course I'm open to that. Um, Yeah. Um, so I call myself a five over two. So the five mm-hmm. is uh, is the child that uh, kind of lives in a family where they feel they can't really be themselves because it's not understood. So it's not mirror. My my being uh, wasn't really reflected back to me. So I always thought I'm a bit. My mother used to say that you're a bit off. <laughs> she still. She's 91. She still says it sometimes. So it wasn't very. <laughs> easy as a child to be called the one that is a bit off. Um, <laughs> so to really be my authentic self, and I think I was uh, in my late 40s when I dared kind of even come out of the closet as a spiritual person, as mm-hmm. one who lives and foremost out of, uh, you know, as a spiritual being. And that then I changed, I changed my whole life, I changed my work, I changed my friends, I changed everything. And uh, from then on, I could really be, you know, myself and embrace my, my quirkiness and my strangeness and my offness, if that is true. And I found friends for whom I'm not off. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I tried to be perfect, and of course, uh, none of us is. So that was, you know, always Mission Impossible. And I have a lot more mm-hmm. energy now that I can try to do that and uphold that. And the other one is very, very much the not enough. And I can still, you know, when I'm in a, in a queue in a supermarket and somebody in front of me can't find their wallet and then they start a conversation with the person behind their cash desk, I can still be beset by huge impatience. So then I repeat to myself the mantra, there is enough, I am enough, I kind of put my right hand on my left shoulder and I kind of stroke my shoulder as as if there is a little child there that thinks, you know, it needs feeding and no one is coming. And I I kind of, yeah, reassure it that I'm here and all is well. And, uh, but so that the not enoughness uh, was very up for me. Mm. So that positive self-talk is so important to basically, transform the pattern, the persistent thought pattern of having more of a negative, you know, debilitating talk with the self or chatter, then basically you're just, you know, it's like you have a choice, right? What pathway are you going to use? You're going to go down the road of the negative, the waste or the dark, or you can choose to think what could be possible, what is definitely happening now that's good for you, and to take it to a higher level, you know, to connect more to a source level of thinking, which is really each of us have that opportunity, right, Lisette? We can choose what yeah. we wish yeah. to but think. Not everybody is aware of that. We can choose what we wish to think. And also, we tend to believe what we think, but much of it is like fake news. 
It's not true. <laughs> it's not even news. It's like old. Okay. <laughs> so so let's go right true. there. You just hit something really important, fake news. Let's just hold that button right there. Because haven't you and I been in positions where a situation has occurred, we might have interpreted it or received it at a level in which it feeds the lower energy, what we call, well, what I call body consciousness or algae thinking, anger, lust, greed, attachment, or ego. It's an acronym that I use quite frequently. And even though I know going down this road, I don't stop it at that moment, but I catch myself maybe a day later or a week mm-hmm. later. So, mm-hmm. so... Have you ever taken the chance to investigate what is it that still is needed in the soul to be able to recognize immediately that this is wasteless chatter that's going on? Because sometimes the wasteless chatter comes into the house, sits for tea, then tells me I need dinner, and before you know it, you're going on a week of this wasteful feeling between you and a person, you and an event, you and just yourself. Thoughts on that, please. I think that's a very good question there, whether I have investigated uh, what is at the soul level, and I'm not sure whether I've ever done that, because Mm. I've been very preoccupied with with a personality level and kind of say, how, how can we heal those very early woundings so we can shine and we can let the light shine? But I have never asked myself a question. What is, what is there at the soul level? Uh, um, and that's so, I'm just thinking on my feet here because the soul yeah. level, of course, is so connected with, you know, the gifts we bring and the treasures. Yeah that is uniquely ours to bring into the mosaic that we lay with all of us every day. Yeah. Um, it's like how I was, um, I was at a dinner. Was, um, David Brooks, who's New York Times journalist, very well-known reporter and writer, and he started a great movement called the Weaver Movement in collaboration with the Aspen Institute. And I was in Aspen last week, and he came over the house, and we had a really nice chit-chat. And one of the things that David highlighted, which had me started to think, was he's been struggling with how to articulate the spiritual languaging in the secular world. And I think mm-hmm. for me it's the way that I feel that when I investigate, why is it that I don't stop myself from having this thought or carrying this feeling in me for so long. And at a secular or very surfaced answer, I come to the conclusion you just need more inner power. But then the real deal is, well, where do I capture that power? And I was finding myself that my power can be reinstituted if I'm aware, paying attention connected to the source, connected to that supreme power, and living that out every day. But the trick is, Lisette, is we're so bombarded by the five senses, and we're so bombarded by the fake news and our own fake news within our own story that we don't always tap into where the power is coming from. You hear what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and and I think the way I do it is, is, really question because we're bombarded by the, by the five senses and by you know this self-talk uh, this negative self-talk out of the five childhood conclusions and mm-hmm. and so I wonder 
often and then I forget, but then I come back to it. It's where am I actually acting from? Where am, where am I seated, so to say? What, where mm-hmm. am I coming from the personality level and quick reactions and being triggered and you know, all of that? Or can I come from a deeper level, which uh, I see as, as light, as our essence, yes. that is light and, and you call it source. And, and we have various names for that, which we cannot totally fathom or name. Mm-hmm. But when I, and I feel like it's like shifting back gears, not go into the fast lane and blah, but, but shift back gears so I can really be present and be quiet and calm in myself. I also sometimes, you know, picture cathedral, like, mm-hmm. because the light can come in so beautifully and there's a huge emptiness. It's not filled yes. with all kinds of, you know, people, it, there's lots of empty space where, where it's light. And, uh, and so I have these images and also paintings you know, that hang in our museums here in Amsterdam. But also, a, mm-hmm. I'm not a church-going person. But when I come in, that can really, I see that metaphor of, yes. you know, the light having, having space to be. And can that then emanate from me? And can I be seated there? Can that be the place from which I act? Sure, sure. And of course it is. Of course it is. So The Childhood Conclusions Fix, um, that being your first book in Dutch and your third to be published in English, what else have you written and what will be your next book about? (laughs) Yeah, I've also (laughs) written a book called A Light because I was on a train in England and then uh, the conductor said, would all passengers please alight the train? And I was like, alight the train? What a beautiful expression. I want to alight the train of my thoughts and my ideas and my self-talk and and know that I am a light already. So that's my maybe my most spiritual book. And then the third book is, um, which was the first to come out in English, is called The Eldest Daughter Effect. You're a single child. I was the eldest of four. And I've always, I'm able to recognize other eldest daughters because we are such responsible, serious (laughs) women. (laughs) Mm. And so uh, one day out of a conversation uh, with a friend, we wrote this book, which is also to kind of alleviate uh, the burden that we bear and think, you know, it's, it's us. No, it's just a pattern. You're born in a family constellation, and that also installs a certain pattern. So it's also about liberation, liberation of the personality so the light can shine. And then mm. earlier this year, I published uh, a book called Childless Living. I have no children. And at the launch of the Alice Daughter Effect, we got into a conversation of, uh, with other women why we didn't have children. And I thought, Everybody has a story. And, and so that book, uh, um, I wrote it in like the, the seasons of life, spring, summer, fall, and winter, and how it is not to have children. So mm-hmm. I'm not advocating for or against, just describing sure. that life, uh, which is mm-hmm. still a niche, although there's many of us. One in four adults in the Netherlands has no children. So there's there's many of us, wow. but still we're kind of not very visible. Mm-hmm. And, Unlike in India right now, where everyone has to have like two children and then that's it. I mean, when you have even, I've flown on flights like Air India, and it's just like every other seat there's a family with kids. 
yeah, and I've flown some flights actually in Europe, and I have noticed a significant difference that there aren't a lot of families with kids on those flights. No, but even in, in India or in lots of countries all around the globe, uh, young people are uh, more environmentally aware mm-hmm. and also more conscious of, you know, that tradition tells them they have to have children as soon as they are married, but they're yes. also questioning. There's a growing awareness of, is this truly my life? Is it truly my life's purpose this time to have a family? Or is it my life's purpose to to work or care for others or, or fulfill you know my life in a different way? It's, it's really amazing yeah. to see that it's a global phenomenon. Yes, yes. I feel like at some point in time, everything is going to just come back to normal as we somehow... Uh, you know, create very deep changes inside of our personality because everything is being driven by a thought. The world is being governed by a thought or by many thoughts. And if we can just somehow soften and elevate and and purify and and peacefully bring these thoughts to the surface, uh, we can definitely mm-hmm. wake up to a much better world. Lisette, share with us what is the main message that you would like to leave the wonderful, wonderful global community of America Meditating Radio with. What would you like to be the main message that you leave with our listeners today? And leave us with a website that they can get information about you if they wish to. Yes, and the one thought might be a light. We are a light already. And don't believe everything you think, especially not if it's, you know, don't think bad about yourself. It's that's just fake news. <laughs> and mm-hmm. investigate your thoughts also of course through meditation. And more on me is on my website, uh dot which is a difficult name uh for mm-hmm. American people dot com. So maybe I spell it L I S E T T E S C H U I T E M A K E R. Um and yeah, there too. Schout is a Dutch word for barge, which is also called a lighter. So uh, my name could translate as, as Lisette Lighter Maker. And uh, I think if we all are lighter makers, make ourselves lighter and make it lighter for other people, then uh, the world will come alive in a different way. Sounds beautiful. Lisette Schutmaker, thank you so very much. And love love the way you show up in the world and the work that you're doing and hopefully we'll be able to keep up with all the wonderful books that you're bringing out and feel free to always touch base with us when you've got something great to share with the world thank you sister jenna thank you so much for what you do mm-hmm. thank you take care so much here that we've learned from Lisette Shootmaker. So please go to her website at lisetteshootmaker.com. Of course, you can get that just by tuning in on America Meditating Block Radio or on any of the networks that we are featured on, whether it's TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple, what have you, all over the world. Just Google americameditating.org and we'll show up. So I hope you've learned something from Lisette's conversation with me because I certainly did. I think it's time for us to be able to really change our negative self-chatter into a chatter that can somehow stimulate a much more healthier mindset. You're not alone 
in what you're going through. And I know sometimes it feels that way. But in reality, there is a collection of consciousness that exists on the planet, and we all fit in one of those at particular times. And if for whatever reason you might be in a low season, it's okay. But talk about it. Be open about it. Never be ashamed of what you're going through because there isn't a single person on this planet who isn't struggling with letting go of something from their past, whether it's a childhood experience or a many previous birth experience. They might tell you, oh, everything was great. Oh, I never had any of those problems. Oh, my dad is great. My mother is great. My sisters are amazing. Oh, my job was wonderful. I was such a good person. But there's an ache because the soul is on the journey. And it might not necessarily connect to this birth. I was remembering a story when I was in a meeting and I was just being blasted. And at the end of it, I had to meet with the folks who were quite, quite intensely like misconstruing what my motives were. And I go, what is it? And they basically pointed this or this out. And I went, I'm sorry to tell you, but that's not me. It might have been me in some previous incarnation, but that's not me now. And so I'm only requesting or asking you, can you try the best that you can to shift the way you're envisioning me, because it's creating unnecessary problems. I remember specifically having that conversation, but I remembered how liberating it was for me. I, I don't think they did shift, but I certainly have, you know, taken it to another notch for me. But you know, this is the journey. We are changing our negative self-talk with some more higher, uh, more source-based intentionality of how we see ourselves how we show up, and who we really are. Hope you've enjoyed our show today. And in our closing, remember that no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, and we really are here to love each other the same. I'm going to end today's show on Lone Space by Bliss because I thought it would be an appropriate ending of a song for us to just dive deep and to test, find the power to make some changes. Take care, everyone.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or in iTunes 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.